Hello, Mississippi and abroad. Welcome to Justify Your Existence, the podcast where we talk SEC. Through the lens of Mississippi, I am Parrish Alford, the Ole Miss beat writer for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. I'm joined by Dalton Middleton, our Mississippi state writer, and Christian Bird, our recruiting analyst. And, and gosh, man, in the world of investments and finance and just so multi-talented, and he's got a Got a Mike Tomlin beard going on. Christian, how are you, man? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I hope both of you guys are doing good. We are. Dalton, I'm, well, I don't want to speak for you, Dalton. Dalton, you okay, man? world gets rough sometimes. Yeah, I'm doing all right today. No, yeah, no, uh, no complaints over here. <laughs> it's America, man. You, you can always complain. Okay. Hey, I'm glad you guys are here. Before we get too much deeper, we want to thank our partners, the Oxford Park Commission. Registration is ongoing for summer camp. You can register at OxfordParkCommission.com or by visiting the Coach Howell Activity Center. Camp serves ages 5 to 13. Cost is $300 per camper per session. Sessions run June 1 to 25 and July 5 to 30. Drop-off begins each day at 7.30 a.m. Pickup is 5.30. Games, arts and crafts. Swimming and outdoor activities are just some of the things that campers will take part in daily. And OPC is looking for lifeguards for the city pool. The season starts Memorial Day weekend and runs through Labor Day. Candidates must be at least 16 and have a current lifeguard certification. Contact Aquatics Director Jamie Chandler if you have questions. That's J-A-M-I-E at OxfordParkCommission.com or just apply online at oxfordms.net. Uh, guys, wanted to talk NFL draft. The first round is uh, tomorrow, tomorrow evening, and uh, Elijah Moore is uh, really the only local player <clears throat> getting uh, getting enough buzz to be considered on the first day. Uh, but uh, kind of some breaking news uh, yesterday in the afternoon that uh, Ole Miss coach Lane Kiffin has parted ways with offensive line coach Randy Clements and uh, Christian, I know you and I were talking about this. And when, when I when I see timing for this kind of major personnel move uh, at this time of year, I mean the first thing that comes to mind is what what's happened off the field. Is, is there an arrest somewhere? Is is there a you know a public record uh, th- that hasn't come to light? And and so the second thing there. Uh, which which is the impetus for so many so many moves in so many professions is personality conflict. So um, what's if if you're taking public record or personality conflict, uh, where, where do you come down? Yeah. So I, here's the thing: the, the first is growing up in Mississippi, uh, you don't keep secrets. So if something happened that shouldn't have happened, I find it hard to believe. Within 12 hours, the cat's not out of the bag. Doesn't mean it's not, just means that that'd be a rarity. That'd be the exception to the rules. So I don't think, I don't think any funny business happened, Parrish, for lack of a better term. Um, But what I do think is that it's a fair assumption, and it is just that, I want to be clear, an assumption that personality differences, uh, which Look, man, I mean, we, we, we've heard that before. It's not the first time I've heard that Lane 
and 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 the offensive line coach didn't necessarily agree on everything, but I don't know what staff has a staff where they necessarily do. So that being said, personality differences occur, and then again, this is a hypothetical. What if someone that Lane has wanted becomes available? Now you have a recipe for maybe you know somebody getting letting go that you didn't anticipate. Again, that's total speculation. I don't have any inside knowledge there. But if it's not something that was caused from breaking the law or doing something that violated a contract, you have to assume, based on the fact that he's done a good job, that somebody else is lined up and ready to go. Otherwise, why let him go? I mean, it's, it's just it's deductive reasoning for me. You guys may see it differently, but I don't know how else to look at it than that. Well, it, it is speculation at this point, uh, and unless yes. something comes up that kind of uh, becomes factual otherwise, uh, you know, when you don't have information, you have speculation, and uh, that's, what's that's, right. going, that's what's going on right now. Personality conflicts, though, man, they can, they can uh, get people moving around. I mean, it was, it was a personality conflict between uh, Pete Boone as AD and David Cutcliffe as coach that kind of uh, tra- changed the trajectory of Ole Miss football there for a while. Kind of, you know, got you know sent uh, sent the Rebels down the path with uh, with Ed Ogeron. Uh, That's a great point. Yeah, a great uh, point. Dalton. I look at these two coaches right now at Ole Miss and at State, and I think both of them are prone to make this kind of decision, which is just a little bit outside the box. I mean, uh, the timing is odd for this, but. Uh, Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach both are prone to to uh, dance to the beat of a of a different drummer. I would say march to the beat of a different drummer. What, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. And with the uh, you know personality conflicts, if that's what it, if that's what it was, you know, and you you saw that a little bit last year with uh, I guess you could call it him just coming in and, and cleaning house a little bit and get rid of the guys that didn't want to play for him. But you know, those personality conflicts, he going. Mike Leach came in to start well and kicked off what, you know, 10, 12 people off the team last year. Um, and so it's not, it's not the same as a coach, obviously. Um, but, you know, you, you do see that a little bit in Star as well. You know, I don't think we've seen that with a coach yet over here. If they have, then it was very quiet and then none of the beat writers know about it, but, uh, you know, they come in here and he, he just right in this first few weeks, you know, as soon as they lose a game, then everything starts coming out and these players aren't wanting to play for him. These players are, wanting to quit and everything. And then he just gets rid of them, you know, and just that's, I think that's the, the way that his personality is. And Lane Kiffin can be used in the same way. I think, you know, both of them are very uh, outspoken and very, uh, it's, it's not hidden what their personality and how their feelings are. So I would agree with you there, Parrish. Well, let's, uh, let's talk draft a little bit. Elijah Moore, uh, I think uh, uh, better than 50, 50 uh, odds that uh, he hears his name called uh, in the first round. Thursday night, and, and that's he's had to grow to this point. It wasn't always that way. I can remember back uh, when I first started looking at draft projections for Elijah. They some folks had him third or fourth round, and and uh, I think the consensus now there's a big disagreement. It seems on whether he'll go in the top 32 uh, in the first round or if he'll go in the first picks uh, in the second round on the second day, but. Uh, unless something really strange happens. And I don't think Elijah Moore has – I think he's razor sharp with his focus and his work ethic. Those kind of guys don't usually have something happen 
that, that causes them to slide. So I would be really surprised if Elijah Moore is not off the board no later than the early picks of the second round. But there's a lot of uh, a lot of discussion. There's a lot of difference in, in where people have him. I think he's showing up in more first-round mock drafts than he was, say, a month ago or a month and a half ago. But even as recently as, as yesterday, uh, Christian, I'm going to throw this over to you. I, I saw uh, the Sporting News come out with, uh, with its top 10 receivers. He was number 10. He had nine guys at receiver that, that they valued better than Elijah Moore. That's hard for me to understand. I mean, I, I look at that and I think somebody's not doing homework here. That, that's negligence is what that is. That's foolishness. I, listen, here's the deal. I talked to four different NFL scouts that I have a connection with. They all four listed him as their number four wide receiver. Now, does that mean that all 32 teams have him pegged as their number four wide receiver? No. Does that mean that these four guys just lied to me? No. All of those things, I mean, the bottom line is, though, four separate people, independent of each other, when asked what their pecking order was for wide receivers, listed him in the top four. If that's the case, and I do believe he is the top four for several teams, then Elijah Moore has a very good chance at backing into the first round. There's so many things that go in to a team drafting a player or taking him at a certain point. And it's not always that they they necessarily plan to take a guy. A lot of times it's how a lot of times it's how the board falls. And so I think what you are likely to see if a couple of teams who have Elijah Moore valued highly miss on a couple of guys or guys trade up or, or they just don't get the player they want, they're going to be left with, do I trade out of the first round? Do I trade down? Or do I take a guy that I already have valued in this slot? If that happens, I think Elijah Moore is going to go in the first round. If, if, if he doesn't, if he goes in the second, certainly not the end of the world for him. Um, but he'll go fairly early because I do believe that he's viewed by most teams as the number four guy. There's certainly guys that are taller. Maybe there are guys that uh, are more niche driven, but those guys like jump ball guys or possession receiver type guys, and you could even claim he's both of those at times. I think they're day three guys. Maybe they have a high upside, but Elijah Moore absolutely shredded the SEC. And that in itself, uh, I believe, elevated his resume along with an incredible pro day. I think he's primed to go at the end of the first round of the early second. It is 50-50, but I think that that's because I think teams now don't necessarily go in and say this is what we're going to do and then don't have a plan otherwise. I think that teams are going to see how the board falls, and there's a great chance he ends up in the back end of the first round, which would certainly make make all of us happy, um, and, and we'll see. But there, there's a lot of teams that kind of qualify for that, the Saints, the Titans, a number of teams that could use a player like him. And if the opportunity presents itself, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they take I would love to see Elijah Moore with the Saints, and I know that Todd McShay says uh, there's a good chance they take him in the first round. I, I think most people seem to agree on those top three as uh, Jamar Chase from LSU and then the Alabama guys, uh, Devontae Smith and uh, Jalen Waddell. Um, it's just – I look at – and I've read some commentary where people really like uh, really like 
Smith for his ability to take the top off the defense. And, and, and that just wasn't, uh, that wasn't Moore's role uh, as much as catching the ball out of the slot, making guys miss, catching the ball in traffic. You know, so he was, he was that kind of player uh, this year for Ole Miss. But uh, I, I'll just uh, tell you, I, I know that the draft is more about uh, potential than college production. But uh, what Elijah Moore did in the SEC is just really, really impressive. To lead the nation in receiving yards per game uh, and in receptions per game. I mean, he was, he was almost two catches a game better than Devontae Smith. I just think that kind of production uh, against that kind of schedule matters uh, for something. And, uh, you know, look, I, I think he's going to get his name called uh, – Thursday night. Now he's, he hasn't lacked for confidence in any of this. And, and when he was talking to us after pro day, he was, he was talking about, well, I should be the first player, uh, you know, picked overall. I should go first overall who out there. I think I'm the best offensive player in this draft, you know, who out, you know, and, and that's good. <laughs> that's good. But uh, you know, I, at some point you got to look and say, look, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you believe in yourself that way. That's good. Self-confidence is a good thing. It's going to help you when you get into camp. Uh, but the reality is uh, he's going to end up uh, somewhere deeper down the line than, than first overall. I, I don't think he's about to unseat uh, Trevor, Trevor Wallace there, the Clemson quarterback. Uh, Dalton wanted to ask you, we talk about production in games and performances and whatnot. And um, just what, what were your impressions uh, of Elijah against Mississippi State? Well, yeah, obviously he had what, like 10 catches for like 180 yards or something wild against State. He had a great night um, there. And I think Elijah Moore is, is fantastic. And, and kind of like what Christian said, where it kind of depends, you know, if he gets picked in the first round, kind of depends on what those teams at the bottom uh, kind of want and, you know, I've seen, like you said, too, um, those first three receivers always are Waddle, Smith, and Chase from LSU and Alabama. And then what I've seen from a couple of ones that I've been looking at the last few days is that it's normally four and five or, this, or Elijah Moore and uh, Kadarius Tony is what I've seen from Florida. Right. And so I guess really when it gets down to there is, uh, is, is if a team uh, wants Elijah Moore more than him or if they want Tony more than him, I guess whatever their needs are there because they're too uh, – two different receivers. Um, but I can't say that uh, uh, whenever I saw that mock draft the other day that had him going to – that had Elijah Moore going to the Saints that I didn't crack a smile because I think that would be uh, – as a Saints fan, that would make me really happy for sure. Um, because like, like like you guys said, you know, just the production that Elijah Moore had in the SEC. And um, I know he plays in the slot, but, you know, you're still facing teams with, you know, Patrick Sertain on it, J.C. Horn, some of those cornerbacks who are going to be in the first-round picks, and he's lighting them up. And so I think that says a lot about um, him, even if it wasn't one-on-one coverage between those guys and him, you know, it's still those – he's still facing those teams, and Alabama has, you know, probably potential to have four first-round cornerbacks on that team or, you know, defensive backs, whoever knows how many guys they got on there. But um, – maybe not this year, but in the future. Um, and just him lighting up the SEC, like we, like we've all three mentioned so far is uh, that just, that just speaks numbers to me because the SEC, even though it's not as defense uh, centered as it used to be, there's still some really good defensive players and a lot of defenses played down here still. 
Well, he, he did play in the slot, but that wasn't the only place that he played. Uh, he moved outside a little bit. Uh, he's, I think he's going to be slot uh, in the NFL. That's what he's going to do. And I saw some commentary uh, that said, look, he averaged like 12.9 yards a catch for his career. He's going to average more than that in the NFL because he's going to be streaking off the line of scrimmage. They're going to hit him in stride. So they expect that figure to increase this commentary on Elijah Moore expected that. So, yeah, but just a lot of versatility. Yeah, he, he was a slot receiver because you you, you got to label guys. They have to have a position. All right. So he was in the slot, but he played outside. And at the end of the season, we started seeing uh, Elijah Moore running back. Uh, and, and throughout the season, you know, they would hand him the ball on the reverse, just trying to get him in open space because he was so good with the ball in his hands, yards after catch. Uh, you know, getting you know, getting open and getting through contact, just a lot of versatility uh, there from Elijah Moore. Let's uh, let's talk about some others uh, in the draft. Really, uh, as we look at this, guys from State and Ole Miss, I, I, you know, who might be a, a second day player. I mean, I, th- I think we have a lot of guys who could go uh, fourth round. Is anybody going to jump up in the third round? Uh, if, if I had to guess. I would say the only one that maybe is Kylan Hill, but I think he's going to be a day three guy. I agree with what Dalton's saying. I think I, I think he's right. I mean, would I again, like the last time we discussed this, would I be shocked if 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 Kylan jumped, you know, into to round three? No, 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 I wouldn't. Um, but but I think he's more than likely, you know, four and later. I. It, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see, and and I think listen, I think some of this, no matter what anybody says, I don't think it helped people that pro days served as their combines. There's something about being in Indianapolis; all eyes are on you. Um, you've got more time to spend with people. It just it, it that the absence of the traditional combine did not help Ole Miss and Mississippi State about. Well, it, it's, uh, and, it's yeah, I agree with that, and I also think uh, I think I think Kylan, you know, he got a chance to maybe work himself into that day too. But I, uh, from what I've heard, you know, they haven't had any official numbers. Is that uh, he did not have a great pro day outing over there, um, and had a kind of a slow forty, and just did not work that uh, work that great. But you know, looking at a couple of the other guys, of course, Errol Thompson, Kobe Jones. Uh, and Marquis Spencer and stuff like that, they're going to be, if they get depicted, um, I think Errol Thompson and Marquis Spencer both get drafted, but really late. Um, a name that I've seen pop up over the last few weeks um, is offensive lineman Darian Parker over here. And I don't know if that's just because he's he's one of the guards. He started left guard in 2019, right guard in 2020. And I don't know if it's just because Elton Jenkins had such a good little stretch over in Green Bay, but um, – People are starting to like him more, and I've started to do a little research on it the last few days because, you know, it's just – honestly, uh, uh, looking at him and watching some film on him stuff, I mean, he's just not that great. Um, and so whenever you – when you watch it, it's a very niche group that's over here trying to say that he's you know, might slide up into the third round or second round or something. I don't really understand it. I don't know if it's somebody just trying to build momentum for him or something, but – I don't think that's a guy that's going to be drafted, but I have seen his name pop up a lot in the, cause, uh, in the last few weeks. Because I mean, I would I would think he's probably sitting around you know number sixty or so in the out of guards in the whole draft. But people are people are high on him for some reason. A couple people. Uh, other Ole Miss draft hopefuls, uh, Kenny Yaboa uh, at tight end. Christian, would he have helped himself by staying another year 
in the Lane Kiffin offense? I mean, did, did he did he show his athleticism enough? Was he consistent enough this season? Yeah, you know, I that that's a tough question, and I will tell you why. Like he he would have gotten obviously a lot of volume uh, next year for Lane Kiffin, but what what if he doesn't get as much volume? Then I mean, it's a it's a risk, right? What what, what if something happens? I don't blame him for going. I think he certainly has, and I think he's the kind of player that uh, more than likely um, he's going to get drafted. I just I'm not sure where he kind of falls. Tight end's a weird position, but because he can get vertical and because he's actually thought of as a pass catcher, I think he's going to. I think you know more so than a tight end. I think he's definitely going uh, to get drafted. So um, in the end, what I would say about Kenny Yaboa is. I think he made the right decision, and I think that uh, the, if you if you don't if you can't get Kyle Pitts, and it doesn't look like you're going to be able to unless you're in the top six picks, then he's a poor man's Kyle Pitts, and he's the kind of guy who can. I mean, he can he, he, yeah. he, ask Alabama. I mean, he absolutely torched them again. So he can get the. I mean, he he he's pretty deadly in that in that regard. So I, I like him a lot and I really think he's going to get drafted in the later the later end, but I think that he's going to stick around. I think he's a guy that's going to be a, a name you're used to seeing on rosters. Yeah, and pass catcher is a key designation here because uh, yes. Kyle Pitts as pass catcher is going to go ahead of Elijah Moore. We can talk about uh, you know other receivers rated ahead of Elijah, but you know so is Kyle Pitts and, and anybody who watched uh, Ole Miss in Florida uh, understands the value that uh, Kyle Pitts can bring to a roster. I, I look at Royce Newman as a as a day three guy uh, if he gets drafted at all. I, I know that Royce uh, had a great uh, senior season on the offensive line for Ole Miss. Uh, showed some versatility moving out to uh, you know from guard out to right tackle and, and became uh, one of the Rebels' better blockers there. Very consistent. Um, and they've had him taking some snaps. I know he's really trying to push versatility for himself uh, in this run-up to the draft. But uh, am I am I wrong on this, Christian? I see him, uh, you know, late uh, late on the third day or free agent. Am I missing something here? No, I think that's I think you're spot on, and that's why you know. I mean, again, is it a possibility? Yes. Do I think he's more than likely going to be a free agent? Yes. Um, I mean, I mean, the big the big kind of the big swing for Ole Miss is you got this first round glamour and Elijah Moore. I think your bow is somewhere at the end. And then there are a couple of guys who could sneak in, but more than likely they're probably going to be free agents. Um, what I, I, you know, but, but you got to look at the sixth round and even, and even the free agents is very similar. Um, you, you don't ever know what you're going to get. There'll be Mike Hilton's that sprinkle through. Um, but there are going to be a ton of guys who, who get drafted and, and don't even make the roster. And so they end up essentially as free agents anyway. Um, so it, it'll be it'll be fascinating to see. But I think Yaboa and Elijah Moore are the two names to watch if you're an old guy. Folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, the podcast that talks SEC through the lens of Mississippi. We thank you for clicking in with us today. Check out our work online at djournal. Dot com. Scroll over to that drop-down menu on the left, find the Ole Miss and Mississippi State pages, and watch the stories flow. We're on Facebook as well. Ole Miss discussion with Parrish Alford, Mississippi State discussion with Dalton Middleton. Lots of good things in those groups. 
Thanks for being with us. Come back and join us tomorrow.